Hey, good morning, y'all. I'm thankful to Facebook land and to YouTube land, and we're thankful that y'all are joining us online uh, today. Um, it's going to be a great day. It's been a great day on the trail so far. What I got in my hand is a connection card. If y'all were all here, we'd ask you to fill, pull it out of the seat back in front of you and fill it out if this is your first time or if you have a prayer need. But I want you to know there's an online version of this, and you can go uh, when our worship is over today, if you'll go to churchonthetrail.org, click on connect, and you can let us know that you were here. If you have a, for any kind of prayer need to let us know um, uh, on there, and we, our staff and our elders and, and our church family would love to pray alongside of you. So churchonthetrail.org, and you can go and fill out one of these connection cards. I want to give you two, uh, two little announcements today. Number one is this. We're having a, a women's conference on August the 8th. It's from nine to five, it's a simulcast. We're partnering with Lifeway. There's eight, uh, eight ladies that are gonna be teaching that day. And uh, we've, it's Priscilla Shire and, uh, and Beth Moore and six other ladies. And we, it's gonna be a great time. We're gonna be in here. It'll be a great time of fellowship. Uh, it's again, it's on August 8th and you can register. Just go to our website and you can register for that. And then I also wanna let you know uh, over the next two weeks, we're going to be, and you can drop this stuff off uh, up at the church on Flat Rock Road anytime during the week. Uh, we're partnering with uh, Mission Columbus, and we're going to be providing a bunch of school supplies for kids in Muskogee County that, that really need pens and pencils and paper and, and notebooks and all that, all that kind of stuff. And we're doing that over the next couple of weeks, so bring that by. It'll be put to great use. I want you all to know today we are so excited we have got a special guest that we flew in on a private jet from Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, Christy Murphy is going to speak today. We're just so thankful. Um, we're such good friends uh, with she and Jeff and their family. Uh, she and my wife are just the closest of friends, and we're really thankful. I want you all to just welcome Christy. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate that welcome, and I'll be waiting for that private jet to fly me home tomorrow when I have kids and a dog in the car all the way for like 11 hours. Um, good morning, Church on the Trail. I hope you're doing great. I am so honored and overjoyed to get to be with you today. I wish if you are in your pajamas on your couch with coffee, I would give anything to be sitting there with you right beside you. Um, but I am so honored and overjoyed. I haven't been allowed in Virginia to worship live, and so I think I lost all of my mascara in that last song. And there is more to come, so you're in for a treat today. But we love this place. Just walking into this space reminds me of so many God moments and defining moments in your life in our lives as well and so just getting to be here just gives me chills because god has moved in this place and in this space but one of the things i've realized by not getting to be here every week like i always love to is that it's not about this place or these walls it's about the people so whether you're at home or whether next week you get to be here in person or whether you choose to stay safe at home there are very few communities that are 
like the community of Church on the Trail. And I don't know, when you're in it, sometimes you don't realize how special it is. Some of you military families have moved away and come back, and you've understood. God calls us to community, but it's not always easy to find in our culture. And so what you experience here, the way y'all love each other and serve each other, it is really a very special thing. And yes, Susan Griffin-Hagen is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. If I could choose to just spend time with anybody, it would be her. And I, I, don't, I know you know that she is loving and she is serving and gracious, but what I want you to know is what you see on the surface, she is a whole lot more under the surface. I've even like, Susan, come on, give me the real deal. Like you can complain to me. It's all right. That woman is so pure hearted. She loves so big and she serves so big and she does it with a pure heart. And there is more below the surface in private than there is in public. So Susan, I love you. Um, Ed, I am worn out watching your schedule. That man gets up before the sun. He doesn't come home till after the sun goes down. I'm going to need a vacation just from trying to live at your house and watch you work. I get tickled because people say, what do pastors do anyways all day long and all week long? I promise you there are very few men who could do his schedule and outwork him. And so Jeff and I love you. Jeff would be here, but he's under travel ban from work. And so the kids and I decided we were going to do a little road trip in our private jet. And um, we just love this place and we love our time with you. And Jeff and I pray for you always, Ed and Susan. We pray always, but especially leadership is not easy. But during the last few months, it's been especially challenging, especially as a church leader, to try to honor God with your decisions, do what's right and safe by your people, obey the governor. And I just want you to know there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and prayer that has gone on behind the scenes. You can be confident in the decisions that Ed and Susan and Richard and Rhonda and Stephen and Melody are making. They don't make them lightly. So I would love to hug your neck. This is my air hug for all of you at home. I miss you. I love you. And it is an honor and honor to be here today. Um, I think it's funny, there's been a trend recently, um, in recent years as you approach the new year, where people have come up with their word for the year. Have you heard of that before? You know, I have one friend, her word was gentleness, another friend, her word was victory. I don't think any of us knew six months ago what the world would look like. And I don't think anybody six months ago decided my word for the year is going to be interruption. I'm just going to make all these plans. I'm just going to have all these goals. But God, I just hope you interrupt everything that I have planned. I don't think that was anybody's plan or goal going in to 2020. And yet it has been exactly that. School has been interrupted, work has been interrupted, the stock market's been interrupted, summer plans have been interrupted. Probably the one that kind of grips my heart the most is watching these poor brides who have dreamed of their wedding day for years and years since they're a little girl. And I don't know about you, but we've gotten sometimes four invitations for the same wedding. The first one said, you're invited to the wedding. The second one said, you're uninvited to the wedding. And then, oh, you're invited, but you can't bring your kids. And then finally we get one that says, we just decided to elope. <laughs> we'll see you at the party afterwards. Um, none of us expected the interruptions of 2020 to come. And yet to our God, it is absolutely no surprise 
He has interrupted history before, and when he has done it, it has been planned in advance, and it has been for our good and for a great cause. You know, I just think about when he sent Jesus into the world, he made a major interruption, divided history in half, A.D. and B.C., and yet God had so much of us in mind when he chose to interrupt. So as you face your summer interruptions, I hope today to encourage you that God has known from the beginning of time that this would happen, and God has something great in store for you, and God can use this. Even the most uncertain, scary of times, do I go out, do I stay home, do I send my kids to school, do I not, do we wear a mask, do we, you know, what do we do? God has something planned for you in this interruption. Um, my, my silly wedding invitations made me think of another bride who had her wedding interrupted. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was engaged to be married when an angel showed up and interrupted her plans. And I don't know if Mary had a Pinterest account. I don't know how much of the wedding she had planned, if she had sent in invitations yet or not. Um, but when the angel came to her, there was a pattern that tends to happen in human nature when God interrupts us. The Bible tells us that when Mary first sees this angel, that she was terrified and afraid. And the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid. Here's the deal. You're not going to have a wedding yet, but you're going to have a baby, and his name is going to be Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sins. And, and don't worry, Mary. I'm going to give you a sign to confirm that this is my plan. In fact, right now, your cousin Elizabeth, who could never have a baby, she's pregnant. And if you look at all of the characters when God interrupted the world by sending Jesus into it, every single character, whether it's the shepherds, their job was interrupted, and they were afraid, and the angel said, don't be afraid, here's what's going to happen, you're going to run down there and go into a, a, a stable, and you're going to find a baby in a manger, and that's a sign that God is up to something, because that's a little bit different than what you would normally find. The same thing happened with Joseph, and then another character, Zechariah, that I actually want to look at in the scripture, so that you can see just some specific nuggets that I think God could use to encourage our hearts in this time is a guy by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was, in essence, leading the church. He was a priest. We didn't have the church yet, but he was in charge of working in the temple. And they have been doing church or temple the same way for hundreds of years. They had been worshiping the same way. They had been getting forgiveness of their sins the same way. And all of a sudden, while Zechariah is in the temple doing things the way church had always been done or worship had always been done, God comes down, sends his angel Gabriel, and interrupts Zechariah. And I want you to look closely at this pattern because I think you and I can understand a little bit the way our lives have been interrupted in some small and big ways, we tend to respond the same way. Luke chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear. Somebody was terrified because there's an interruption. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. When we're terrified because of our interruptions, God always says, don't be afraid. And here's why. God has heard your prayer, and your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. You're to name him John. 
And Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure this is going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife is also well along in years. And I love this. Verse 19, the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Like, chill out, Zechariah. You're all worried. I know you've been doing it this way for hundreds of years. There's going to be an interruption. Somebody's terrified. But don't worry. God says he has a plan. You don't have to be afraid. And how do I know this? Because I stand in the very presence of the one who writes the plans. And he sent me to bring this good news to you. Now, the sign that Zechariah got was that he was not able to speak until the baby came. And I, I laugh at that because I think right now it would probably help a lot of us if we were just not able to speak until this pandemic was over. Whether it's politically on the news or whether it's in your own home with these people you're suddenly having to live with 24-7 that used to go to work and used to go to school, um, it might do us some good to just kind of shut our mouth just a little bit. There tends to be this pattern is what I want you to see that when God interrupts our lives, somebody's terrified. This isn't going how I thought it was going to go. God always says, don't be afraid because I have a plan for you. And in time, I will give you a sign or a confirmation to confirm that I am at work on your behalf and for your good. Now, I remember one of the defining seasons in um, the Murphy family's lives and in Jeff, for Jeff and I for sure was, you know, we came here in 2008 to plant this church. We were in it for life, we thought. We were going to do things the way we had always done them forever. And about 2018, God interrupted our lives. He humbled us personally, and he spoke very clearly to us that it was time for us to move over. It was very clear, and he confirmed it over and over, that he had been raising up Ed and Susan Griffinhagen to lead this church into its next years, its next level, its next generation. And we were certain and sure God was really obvious and clear. I mean, just crazy signs that you could not imagine it was only from God, that we knew that we knew that was supposed to happen. For us personally, what we didn't know was what was next for us. And I remember sitting down with the church leadership and Jeff, who has big faith, said, we don't need to know what's next. It's all right. And the church leadership said, well, it would be nice if you could know what's next so we could kind of explain that. And I said, yes, thank you. It would be nice if we could know what's next so we could explain that. And I remember God um, reminding me of a verse that we throw around. We put it on graduation invitations, but he took me to Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. And I remember in that interrupted time of our lives, feeling like God was trying to teach me, Christy, it is enough that I know. I know you're dying to know, are you, your kids going back to school or not going back to school? Or are you going back to work? Are you not? I know you're dying to know, will life return to normal? But Christy, it's enough that I know. I know the plans I have for you. In fact, sometimes if God were to tell us the plans, 
we would fall apart. We wouldn't get up the next day. If we had known in 2019 what 2020 was going to look like, we might not have gotten out of bed on January 2nd if we had known that. Sometimes he withholds them for our good and for our peace. Sometimes we try to tell God what we want the plans to be, and he has something far better and far greater in mind. Ed taught me something new this week that I didn't know about this verse. He said, Christy, did you know that when he says the plans are for good, that word good in the Hebrew actually is the word shalom, which means peace. For a lot of us, we have a lot more peace just knowing God knows and us not knowing. There are seasons in your life, if you knew what was right around the corner, it'd be hard to go there. So I want to encourage you this morning that God knows the plans he has for us. He knows whether we'll be in church in person next week or not. He knows what the fall is going to look like. He knows what next year is going to look like. And it is enough that he knows. Now, It's not always easy to live that way. We moved to Virginia and we got there and it was kind of funny because the first house that we rented was in a location called Hurt, Virginia. That was our address. We called it the Redneck Riviera. We lived in H-U-R-T, Virginia. And we were still kind of waiting for God to show us exactly what was gonna be next. And I remember at times just being terrified at times being angry at God and mad and sad and um, I literally was living metaphorically and physically in hurt Virginia, which was kind of funny. And I was kind of just being a, a brat, if I can be honest, a little bit about it. God had always been faithful to us. I had no reason to question him. Um, I just kind of felt like, God, we've always been a part of these big, awesome church communities. Like, what is next for us? And I remember my sister, as sisters will do, they're the ones that'll be honest with you and tell you to get your act together. She said to me, Christy, you can spend your time screaming at God, being mad at him, you know, hurt by him or worried or anxious. Or you could take all that time and energy that you're spending being anxious and you could spend it in the throne room with God. Thank you very much. I have a perfect older sister. Do any of you have one of those? They are not very fun to live with at times. But I took her advice and I didn't even know what that meant. What in the world is she talking about being in the throne room of God? And I thought of this passage with Zechariah where Gabriel says to him, why are you so afraid? Here's the plan. And Zechariah goes, how am I going to know this is going to happen? And he says, because I stand in the very presence of God. Well, guess what? Because of that interruption in history, Jesus came and made a way for all of us to go directly through God. We no longer go through a priest. We get to go directly through prayer to the throne room. We get to come boldly, the scripture says. And in Hebrews 4.16, it specifically says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now, I want you to notice the word receive because often when we go to God, especially when we want to know, you know, I there was kind of like something in it for me 
um, when my sister challenged me to do this, I'm like, I'll go to the throne room because God knows the plans he has for me. So I'm going to go there because I'm going to figure out the plan while I'm in there. Maybe he'll tell it to me. Maybe I'll get it. But if you read the verse in Hebrews 4.16, it says, there we will receive. In other words, we don't walk into the throne room telling God everything we need him to do or demanding that he tell us the plans. We can ask. We can ask anything. But the point is that we go to the throne room to receive with open hands. And it's not to receive tangibles. It's to receive intangibles that you can't get anywhere else in this life like grace and mercy and peace and joy and hope for a future and so i i started to study what the throne room of god looks like and i went to a passage in revelations that i want to share with you in revelations chapter 4 the Apostle John is taken in the spirit to a future time in heaven, and he describes to us what the throne room of God looks like, the place that you and I are invited to dwell and spend time directly face-to-face, -face, just like the angel Gabriel was able to do. Revelations 4 verse 2 says, this is John talking. He says, instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. That's God the Father. We can't describe what he looks like. He's a spirit. He is color. He is wonder. He is splendor. It says like Jasper and Carnelian and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Verse 5 goes on and says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and a rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. What John was seeing, no human person had ever seen before and been able to write down and tell about it. He doesn't even have words for walking into the throne room in the presence of the God who has all the plans. He describes it as color and wonder and rainbows and, and splendor and majesty. And then he says, it's not just God who's on the throne, but in front of God is the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, that doesn't mean seven different spirits. That means the Holy Spirit who has seven different manifestations or roles that he plays in our lives as believers. So God the Father is there in the throne room in all of his splendor. The Holy Spirit is there, the one who knows the mind of God. And guess what? The one who lives inside of us. If you have made Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life, he promised to send us a comforter that would live in us and dwell in us. And that same spirit dwells in the very presence of God and knows the mind of God. But that's not all. There's one more person of God there. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And guess what he does? He prays for us. He's pleading for us. And so I, I tried to wrap my mind around, we had the ugliest pink carpet you've ever seen in your life at the Redneck Riviera in Hurt, Virginia. I would sit upstairs in our bedroom 
and I would get on my face trying to imagine the throne room of God. And now I understand from Revelation that God the Father is there, the Holy Spirit is there, and Jesus is also there praying for me. And when I first started this exercise of trading in my anxiety and my fear of the future for being in the throne room of God, I don't know about you, but I thought if I am walking into the presence of God and I've had a little bit of a rotten attitude and anxiety, I would probably fall on my face. So I started out prostrate on my face. And I tried to hold my words because I wanted to say, God, what are the plans? What are the plans? What are the plans? Give me the plans. I want to know what the next five years, 10 years. But something happens when you sit in the presence of God. And you imagine God the Father and the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And Jesus who is saying our name to his Father all day long praying for us. The plans start to get a little bit smaller and who God is starts to get a lot bigger. And all of a sudden, me needing to know the plans, all of a sudden I was experiencing this peace I could not understand. I was experiencing a joy I could not describe. Now, now don't, get, don't think I'm real spiritual because it would go away by the next day. So I had to go back to the throne room like over and over and, and over again. It's not like a once and done. And I could probably leave that moment and an hour later be screaming at my kids. So it's a process of continually, every time I feel anxious or worried or fearful about the future, I can worry about it, I can try to figure it out myself, or I can just get on my knees and imagine I am walking boldly to the throne room. I am standing in the presence of the one who knows the plans that are for my good, the one who wants to give me peace and joy. See, we're all going to live through this pandemic, we hope. I know some of you have loved ones that are sick, and our hearts and our prayers go out to you. But as a whole, this church is going to come through. Our nation is going to come through. The question is, are we going to come through with anxiety and fear and mad at everybody we're having to live with? Or are we going to come through with the confidence that we have a God who has interrupted history before and has worked it for our good and for the salvation of many others? Just think about this. How many people do you know that would never walk in the doors of a church? But they might watch church on Facebook. They might listen to a song because they're more anxious than normal. You have an opportunity right now that is unprecedented. In the same way that this pandemic is unprecedented in your lifetime, you have an opportunity to share the gospel in a way that you've never been able to. People need hope. People need healing. People need to hear that somebody has a plan and that it's for their good, and that Jesus made a way through his death on the cross for us to receive forgiveness, and we're made right. We can walk right into that throne room and stand in his presence. I noticed over time that a shift began to happen for me. Two things. I started to go in the throne room, and instead of asking God to hurry up and give me the plan, I just sat there in the morning and said, God, what are your plans 
for today. I don't need tomorrow. I, don't, I know you've got tomorrow. You've got next week. You've got next year. God, I need to know what is your plan for today. What do you want me to do? I don't want to miss what you have for me today. And there was a shift because I needed less and less to know the plan for the next five years and more and more enjoyed just the presence and peace of God. The second shift that happened, and I hope this will make you laugh, and if you don't know me or you don't know the man I'm married to, this may be difficult to understand, but I live, three out of five of us in our family are severely ADD. So one thing I have learned about living with ADD people is that it's contagious. Um, I used to be responsible and very scheduled and very deliberate, and you live with them long enough, you either join them or you go crazy. So... um, One of these mornings while I was in the throne room imagining God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the thought crossed my mind, what would Jeff Murphy do if he was in the throne room? And it just took one second. I'm like, he would be very worshipful and respectful, and then immediately he would peek. He would want to know who else was in there with him, and he'd be looking around trying to find out, you know, who's here and what are we going to do next. And I, it, it started out silly, I admit, I confess, and very quickly the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, Christy, if you look right and you look left, do you know who is in the throne room of God with you? The persecuted church is here. I'd read a story about a pastor in China who was in prison for preaching the gospel. And in America, we're complaining because we have to have church at home and we can't be together. God suddenly impressed on me, there are people in this throne room that carry burdens far greater than what you carry. You're worried about the plans for the next five years. They're worried if their family is going to live tomorrow. And all of a sudden, once again, my need to know the plans shrunk. And my awe of God and God's family, the global church, got so much bigger and so much greater. And it was a moment that I'll never forget because I felt like God said, once again, Christy, I know the plans. It's enough that I know. And honestly, your plans are not as hard as some other people's plans. So just, you know, put on a happy face. I give you joy. I give you peace. I give you mercy. I give you grace. I give you everything that you need. And I know for some of you, this may sound a little weird. And you say, well, Christy, your family's used to this. You're used to praying. You're used to going into God's presence. Like, I don't even understand how I would do that. We're going to make it real easy for you at the end of our worship time together. In just a minute, the band is going to come. And if that seems like a strange concept to you to be in God's throne room and talk to the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the band's going to do a song that all you have to do is turn the volume up, turn it up on your phone, turn it up on your Facebook. I encourage you this week, come back to this song over and over and over again, because what it does is it, it puts you in the throne room and the presence of God. It talks about 
how God interrupted history years ago with a bride named Mary who was the mother of Jesus and how he made a way for us to be right with him and how he has a plan and we can go and stand in the very presence of the one who knows what 2021 is going to look like for all of us, what the rest of our lives are going to look like. And so I'm going to invite you. I know this is the time usually, oh, the worship team's coming back. Let's go finish and have more eggs and bacon. Please don't. Please turn the volume up and worship God with us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and God, we are comforted in these uncertain times, in these times of interruption, to know that you know the plan. You say, don't be afraid. I've got it figured out. God, it's enough for you to know. We declare that out loud. It's enough for you to know. And Jesus, it blows my mind after all you sacrifice for us that you sit right beside your father close enough to his ear to whisper our names to him. I pray for every person watching right now. Jesus, I ask that you would whisper their names in your father's ear right now. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to dwell in us Grant us a double portion of you for these uncertain, interrupted days ahead. Give us your gifts of joy and peace and grace and mercy. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, y'all. So I want to share something briefly with you. You know, Christy, uh, this message was, you know, interruption and, and that our lives uh, are interrupted and she spoke at sort of length about it, the interruption that happened a couple of thousand years ago right outside of Jerusalem. And what I, what I really heard from that is that that interruption equaled access. And so if you, I, want, I just want to share with you this, that, that when Christ died on that cross, he said to die. That means it is finished. It is finished. His work was finished. Well, when he said that and he took his last breath on the cross, the veil in the temple that separated the very presence, ultimately the throne room, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple uh, area, it tore in half. Well, when it tore and fell, that we have now have access. You have access. You don't have to go confess to a priest and blah, blah, blah. You got access to the throne room. You know, what could be better than that? And, and all it takes, it's a belief thing. All it takes is right now, if you have never grabbed a hold of that access to the Lord, right now you can do that. And all it is is a matter of I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, and I believe in my mind and in my heart, I believe that what happened on that cross took care of the sin problem that I have. And, I, and, and so if that's you today, that is all there is to it. And you invite the Lord to save you, and he will save you. And then you will be in that throne room for eternity. So if that's you today, I want you to just pray this little prayer with me. And listen, it is not this prayer that saves. It is Christ that saves. But I want you to pray this prayer. And if you're by yourself, as Christy said, if you're on your pajamas on the 
couch, scream it out. Scream it out or pray it in your mind either way, but here it is. Lord, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I confess that that I need you. And I believe, I believe what happened on that cross took care of my sin problem. And Lord, I, re- I repent of that sin. I turn away from it and I turn towards you. And Lord, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.